Virginia is for families, all sorts of families. My family, your family, your neighbor's family. For families of all species. For beach chair sitting families and paddleboard standing families. For families that like to camp outside and the ones that would rather museum inside. Yep, we got plenty of those to choose from. For mountain hiking families and would rather hang out by the pool resort going families. Come to think of it, that's more my speed. So, in conclusion, Virginia has all sorts of things your family could love. So, come love it for yourself. Buffalo Wild Wings has specials on food from 3 to 6, Monday through Friday, and great deals on drinks all day. It's the perfect way to offset a long day. Text that hilarious joke about your boss to your boss. What? No, no. Try a $3 Wild Herd by Goose Island. Set your morning alarm for 6 p.m. That calls for $5 strawberry margaritas. So if you ask your phone why you're still single and... Ha, ha, ha. Seriously? Head to Buffalo Wild Wings. At participating locations, taxes and fees apply. Dine-in only. Drink responsibly. Offers vary by location. Void where prohibited. And welcome back to the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, and we're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And we're coming to you around the world tonight on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, iHeart Radio, Simul Radio, and Simul TV. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, TV. To find out about the programming we have available for you 24-7, 365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. On Channel 21 on Simul TV, it's www.simultv.com. I don't know the channel that we're on on iLaunch Radio. I'm sorry, iLaunch TV. We're supposed to be getting that very shortly. We're going to be on Comcast later on this month. And of course, we're here in Hamilton on Cable 14. My guest this hour, Exxon Nation, is someone who has been in the um, alien abduction scenario longer than anyone else I know. He's also considered to be the world's leading expert on alien abductions, and I'm talking about Daryl Sims. His 38-plus year of uh, field research has focused on physical evidence and led his groundbreaking discoveries of alien implants and alien fluorescence. As a former military officer and CIA operative, Daryl has a unique uh, insight into the alien organization, which he believes functions similarly to an artil- uh, intelligence agency. Daryl is also a compassionate and skilled therapist who has helped hundreds of alien experiencers all over the world come to terms with what they've witnessed. Now, these are just some of Daryl's UFO career highlights. Like I said, he discovered the alien implant phenomenon and pioneered research protocols, discovered the phenomenon of alien fluorescence, uh, has in his possession the largest uh, collection of physical evidence of alien-human contact, including skin samples, DNA samples, x-rays, MRIs, sonograms, objects with possible forensic traces, and so on. First abduction research to initiate a reaction from alien species via post-hypnotic suggestion. As head of the Houston UFO Network, oversaw the double mass abduction of 1992. Worked uh, reviewed by the Royal Society of Chemical Engineers in the United Kingdom. Development and practice of a multimodality approach using specialized techniques in memory retrieval and intervention therapies. First UFO research to a researcher to be invited to lecture on alien abduction at the AMA at the conference at John Muir Medical Center. 
uh, developed an extensive questionnaire for alleged alien experiencers employing a variety of analytical techniques. Invited to join Parsec, a European organization of doctors, physicists, psychotherapists, and mental health professionals. And the list goes on and on and on. I was thinking, when was the first time I spoke to Daryl Sims? Well, our producer checked it out. And, Daryl, it's going back to 1997. Welcome Good back. Good sakes. 1997. But we, we've been around for a while, I guess. We sure have. Uh, so how have you been since you and I last talked? And what's new in the world of alien abductions? Well, I've, uh, I've been doing very well, and uh, family and everybody's doing well. Excellent. Gosh, uh, lots of strange things popping up in the um, alien abduction world. Uh, I got a call from uh, one of my abductees the other night. He's uh, uh, he's a retired assistant attorney general, and he's an abductee and admits it openly. And uh, long story short, is uh, I had him on TV years uh, about a, about a year and a half ago, almost two years ago, and. They were amazed at uh, the the uh, the information he was giving, and then they asked me to hypnotize him, which I did. Mm-hmm. And then he uh, gave a, a, a more information. It was, and of course we checked it for credibility and so on. But the most important thing was at the end of his experience, talking about UFOs coming over a nuke base where he was at and so on, was the fact he started describing this hybrid woman that was uh, interfacing with him. And the more he described her, the more I just kind of smiled. And, and uh, he was wondering, you know, well, I, does he think I'm crazy or what? And after he finished doing that, I had him doing drawings and everything under hypnosis and so on. And he drew the hybrid and everything. And after he finished, I said, uh, there are several things I do to evaluate a person, whether they're telling the truth or lying or whatever, right. or hallucinating. And... Uh, I said, I want to show you something. And I showed him a picture of the hybrid uh, entity 30 years before he knew it existed. It's the exact same one that was found in Houston, Texas, and seen by numerous people. And we've had the story for a long time. And of course, he was just stunned at the, uh, at the pictures. Oh, my God, that's her. That's, that's the one. And I said, that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> But uh, anyway, the, what's fascinating, what's the most interesting thing that happened to him, he called the other night and said, uh, uh, I've got injured so bad. He said, they, I talked to a specialist, and he said, don't go to the VA hospital. Go directly to this hospital. And the, the doctor had called in advance and set him up so he had, well, he could walk right through. Mm-hmm. And the doctor that examined him said, it looks like somebody took a baseball bat and beat you half to death in the stomach. Oh, my God. And he said, I have no idea what happened to me. Of course, they called the police and everything else. And the, the medical people did. And, uh, of course, they, the, the abductee, the, this, this retired attorney general, said, I, you know, I, it, it's hard to tell these cops what happened because they're not going to believe anything alien. And I don't know a lot of what did happen. But the, the bottom line is that uh, he was, his stomach, he sent me pictures of it, and it was, it was swollen, but it looked like somebody literally took a baseball bat and like some mafia guys worked him over. It, it was just terrible. What was the cause of this, uh, in your opinion? In my opinion, uh, of course, I haven't told him yet, but the fact is that uh, we see 
injuries similar to this mm -hmm. uh, on different parts of people's bodies. And the reason is um, the alien sometimes will bring you through a wall. In rare cases, they'll walk you through a door, uh, out, uh, open the door and actually walk you out. Right. And sometimes they'll, they'll bring you in through the ceiling. Well, when they bring you in through a ceiling, they often will drop you from a two or three feet, something like that, onto the bed. And if you've got one of those old water beds, it'll literally shake you, and you'll just like, whoa, you know, it'll wake you up. So right. speak out of your experience. In his case, I suspect they dropped him from about eight feet up, and you don't always hit the bed. Ouch. You hit different parts of the bed, and it can hurt you really bad, yeah. like a baseball bat beating you. Like that old saying, it's not the fall that hurts, it's the sudden stop. That, that'll do it every time. <laughs> every time. <laughs> Daryl, you know, you, you've got a, you've got, in your past, you were a police, uh, you were a military police officer and a CIA operative. What was it that changed your life to the point where you became so interested in the alien abduction phenomenon that you're known worldwide as the alien hunter? Well, the, uh, the alien hunter is a, a, a term given to me by a, 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 a journalist who was interviewing me one day and I think it was 1992, 93, uh, in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And she said, she listened longer and longer and longer. And she said, oh, my God, you don't study the alien. You're, you're hunting them. You're the alien hunter. And it showed, that showed up in her story on, uh, uh, on a, a man named Rendazzo, his magazine, mm -hmm. uh, UFO magazine back then, which is now defunct. But it was a big alien head with blood red letters, alien hunter on it, and the story of Daryl Sims and all that. But the, uh, the, the thing that really took me into the phenomena, of course, and I try to stay away from it as much as possible, uh, it, because my events started in 1952 at age four and ended violently at age 17, and after that, I didn't, I had no no further events, so I thought, wow, right. this is great, you know, I'll just ignore it and it'll all go away. Uh, it That worked real well until my son came along, about six years old, and they came and got him. And when that happened, uh, I woke up in the middle of the night with that same exact feeling that I had for every abduction encounter. I realized they were there, that they, they had actually left, and... I ran past my son's room in the middle of the night, about 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning, found him standing in the dining room, looking out the back window, his screen memory, of course, Sure. looking sure. out the back window, and he, and I watched him quite a while, and I said, David, what are you looking at? And he said, uh, the little red light. All right, stand by, Daryl. We've got to take our first break, Exonation. The one and only Daryl Sims is our guest this hour. He's known around the world as the alien hunter. No. It's going to be at uh, Contact in the Desert this year. The website is contactinthedesert.com forward slash Daryl Sims. That's contactinthedesert.com forward slash Daryl Sims. More about alien abductions and much more when we return here to the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away.
ExoNation, my guest this hour is Daryl Sims. He is the alien hunter, and he is the world's leading expert on alien abductions. The website that we'd like to point you to tonight is contactinthedesert.com forward slash Daryl Sims. All right, Daryl, uh, when we uh, last left, before I had to take my first break, uh, you had... You had gotten up between 2 and 3 in the morning after having the same feeling you had after your experience. You went to the kitchen, and your son was looking out, I believe it was the back door, and yes. you asked him what he was doing, and, and he said, looking at, or watching the red light. Now, they had just brought him back. Oh, my goodness. And uh, when I ran through the house, I knew he wasn't in his room. I didn't even look. And his event was so horrific. Um uh, in fact, the family begged me to uh, work with him hypnotically, and I refused for for weeks. And uh, I just I did not want to know what I knew I would find. And when I did work with him, of course, it was crystal clear. And uh, he, the long story short is he had had a horrific uh, series of events. And the the bad the worst part of it was that um, he told me about a week or so later. He said, "Dad, I my consciousness now. This is a six year old child telling you this. Oh my, my consciousness has changed. I no longer care for people like I used to. That that, that was frightening to me to hear that from my son." Did you feel the same way after your abduction? Uh, I, I didn't. Uh, I, I ended up with broken ribs and all kinds of other problems I never told anybody about. But uh, when I, my event was over, I was so glad. The, the reason was because the, the entities in my last event were five entities that don't show up in UFO literature. They're, they don't look like that. They're not like that. They're, they're not like the alien because... <laughs> They're other than the alien. They're involved in the process. If there was an SS in the, among the alien, it would be it. And he, unfortunately, met the same entity I met uh, at set, age 17. He met him at age 6. Wow. And the, the effects of that were, let me give you one example, show you what I'm talking about. Unbeknownst to me, my son had taken a compound bow pulled it back with his feet and fixed it so that it would actually point toward his door. So if they came back through the door, that broadhead arrow would go right clean through them. The only problem is they could have gone through anybody else that opened his door right. in the middle of the night. Yeah. And, of course, you don't think of that whenever you're, you're worried about your events. You just worry about making it go away or stop. But that's the kind of seriousness that he had. Uh, he never wanted to see that that event again. Now, the fact that you had been abducted by aliens a number of times, and now your son, at the at the tender and you know the wonderful age of six years old, had the same experience. Does this show you, as a you as as an as an alien abduction expert, that there is something in the genes? It, why why do you think that it was you and then your son? Well, the. The, something we discovered uh, when I first started really leaning on the, in, the, the first of all, the, that event right there changed me from a victim father mm -hmm. 
to an alien hunter. I mean, you mess with me and I can live with it. You mess with my children and I'll come after you. I don't care if you're from another planet. Right. It won't make me a bit of difference. I'll find you and, I, and I'll, I'll expose you. Anyway, the, uh, the, what this did was to cause me to look into the phenomena very succinctly. And one of the things we discovered back in the 80s was that there was a, a link between uh, certain people in the family. They don't need everybody in your family, and sometimes it's just the girls, sometimes it's the guys, it's, 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 but it's rarely, it, it's rarely in the same family, uh, in the actual family lineage, mm -hmm. uh, to have a, a father, son, a brother, and something like that is very rare. Uh, in our family, it's a brother, it's, it's I've got two brothers, uh, it's me, my, my son, and my, myself, and I think my dad, uh, Anyway, that's uh, that was four four males in one family. That's that's just astounding. Normally, uh, people tell me it's just me and my family, and that's it. And I and I'll tell them if you'll go talk to your grandma, grandpa, uncles, aunts quietly, privately, and tell them a little bit about your experience, you're going to be stunned to find out that they've had them too. Well, well, who are these aliens, and what do they want? That's the $64,000 question. Everybody thinks they know, but mm -hmm. um, uh, I th there, there are two, two primary views out there if, if when you take boil it all down. Uh, one is the Sitchin's view, which is uh, uh, a fairly common view that uh, the, those that came down from the heavens uh, came to earth and they did all these things with mankind. Basically, they turned mankind into slaves and mm -hmm. mining gold for them and so on. Okay. There's that narrative, and that's uh, based on some Sumerian documents and Warkin and other documents and so on. The other view is very similar to that, which I am more attuned to, and it is, it is that, in fact, that generic part of the story is true. It, it's just the narrative that he's, he, he, he gave off is not... First of all, it's not a, it's not a correct rendering out of Hebrew, and uh, it it is along the same lines. So, to me, if if you go with either one of the views, you're still in the in the ballpark, because the same basic stories all over the world, and the uh, the ancient Hebrew version of that is that they were kicked out of heaven, not asked to leave, and uh, that caused war, and uh, basically they came down to earth because this is. This is a very special place uh, chosen by the one that kicked them out. And they came down here to wreak havoc. And one guy questioned me on this the other night. And he says, well, give me an example. And I said, well, okay. Uh, I said, uh, there are seven primary alien entities. Uh, the reptile, the praying mantis, the uh, Nordic type, Bigfoot, and the little gray, and the taller gray called the doctor, et cetera, et cetera. And he says, yes. And I said, well, uh, there's a number of things you ought to ask yourself some tough questions about when you think of that. <clears throat> and one of them is uh, that all the DNA from every one of those beings seems to come from planet Earth. So the question one has to ask if they're from another planet, quote unquote, mm -hmm. why did they come here to get the DNA, take the DNA somewhere else? In other words, you don't get uh, reptile DNA from uh, probably Venus. You'd get a real good suntan if you tried it. 
you're probably not going to get uh, Nordic or human DNA from uh, probably from Saturn. Earth is the cosmic where Walmart, so to speak, for DNA. And when you look at the DNA of each of these entities, and, and especially, this just underscores what I'm saying, they did a DNA test on on some Bigfoot evidence uh, up in Nacogdoches, Texas, not long ago. I even offered to, to send them some samples we had, a urine sample and a frigidel and some hair samples I've had since the 90s. And uh, long story short, they did their analysis on the DNA testing they had, on the DNA material they had. Right. They found that the DNA, of course, it's simian or, or ape-like creature, which, again, you would get. Everyone is howling about Paws of Fury. It's the most fun comedy of the summer. I am your father. What? No, I'm not. <laughs> Michael Sarah. It's showtime. And Samuel L. Jackson. What the mother father kind of spaniel's going on here? Paws of Fury. Only in theaters this Friday. Rated PG. Get on planet Earth. And number two... It had modern human woman DNA. So how does one get, quote-unquote, alien DNA of a simian creature that you find on planet Earth mixed with modern human woman DNA? Well, is it possible now? I'm just, I'm just throwing this out there. Like, you know, we, we've, we've all heard about these strange and weird things that happen where we have cross-species. Is it possible that in our past we had... A Neanderthal or, or an early type of man who actually cross mated with an ape. Well, that's that, that's possible, uh, but the fact is, the the the, the thing that, that stands out to me is the fact these beings here that we're looking at, these so-called alien beings, are in fact transgenic beings made, hatched, cloned, or manufactured for the purpose of interaction with mankind. And the reason I say that is because. Uh, that's the first thing that struck me when I was four years old and the, came, the thing was in the room and uh, he was leaving and I didn't know it. I, I didn't know what was going on. I, I woke up real quickly. Sure. So I'm leaving the room and as I thought to myself, he's going to bump in the wall. I didn't know he came through the wall and he's leaving through it. He heard me think that and he turned around and I heard him think and that really stunned me because his mouth never moved and I heard in my head, it's awake. But when he turned around, I saw he had no genitalia and no belly button. When you're four years old, you think don't think like adults. You think like little kids. You, I wondered where his TT was at. Where's his belly button? After you think about that for a while, you realize if he didn't have a belly button, he wasn't born. He didn't get here the way you did. He was hatched, cloned, manufactured, or made. And the fact is, if he doesn't have a... Uh, genitalia means he doesn't procreate. All right, stand by, Daryl. We've got to take our news break. Exo Nation, Daryl Sims is our guest this hour. Visit www.contactinthedesert.com forward slash Daryl Sims. And Daryl and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in beautiful Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. You can always send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com. And check out all the programming we have available for you 24-7, 365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network at www.xzbn.net.
Welcome back, everyone. Don't forget the X Chronicles newspaper is available for you with our compliments. It's uh, been published since January 1990. Believe that or not? Wow. www.xchroniclesnewspaper.com couple of programming notices. Uh, the X-Zone TV show is going to be on Cable 14 in the Hamilton, Ontario area starting February the 14th. And then the TV show will be on twice a week, Tuesdays at 9.30 and 11 p.m. on Thursdays. Also, starting this week, later on, we're going to be on iLaunch TV throughout the United States as well as 50 other countries. And later on this month, it's going to be a busy month. We're going to be on Comcast. So there you go. All coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, through our good friends at Simul. Daryl Sims is our guest, www.contactinthedesert.com forward slash Daryl Sims. Daryl, when you were describing the, the alien that you saw in your room, you, you, you noticed that the alien didn't have any genitalia or a belly button. Is it possible that the... The alien was wearing some sort of one-piece body, protective bodysuit. Oh, that's, I suppose that's possible, but I, I would, there was ambient light in my room, mm -hmm. and I could see him very clearly. He had a very tiny mouth, just yeah. a tiny slit. Right. And he had no ears, uh -huh. and he had two little holes for what looked like where a nose should have been, but yeah. they were just tiny. His eyes were perfectly round, mm -hmm. I mean, very large, inch and a half, eyeballs uh, that, uh, and to me they look like lens covers they didn't look like eyes they, uh, they, they were very stunning very captivating could it have been a helmet and of some sort i i just uh well later uh, it, many many years later one of my abductees begged me to show her how to defend herself because they threatened to get her kids and i did and she assaulted her captor and tore his eye cover off on two occasions, and what she saw was a red stippled screen with five little white squiggly light lines running across that red screen, which indicated those particular beings were probably biomechanical. So what did, what did she do with the, uh, the lens cover? Well, unfortunately, I, what I, what I, the reason I did that was one, for her point, was to help her learn to defend herself, mm -hmm. but I had my own... Uh, greedy motivation and uh, and the the purpose was I wanted her to bring Freddy Krueger's hat back through the dream I mean if, if she could bring that that eye cover back mm -hmm. it's obvious that Freddy Krueger so to speak was real at that right. point he used that as the metaphor and uh, unfortunately she she said she told me the first time she said I'm not very strong and uh, she tore it partly off and she could see underneath it a red screen and so I said, well, I can fix that. And so about a month and a half later, they came back and got her again. And uh, unfortunately, they, they brought the doctor with them. That's uh, the, the one that's a lot smarter. The little ones are got an IQ of about 80. And the, the doctor type looks just like him, but he's taller and he's definitely in charge. He's got an IQ of about 135, 140. So uh, the next time... Uh, I, uh, I knew a lot more about his neurology and how he functioned, and uh, so I had uh, had her actually take him over uh, using the system that I had given her, and she called him, and it, it scared him, and he just slowly took steps toward her, and finally she reached around him, and I uh, installed my strength in her, uh, and 
she was able to hold him and I asked him if she, he had resisted and she said no and and she said he had never had it, had anyone take him over before. I mean, that that's their business. That's not what we're not supposed to be able to do that to them. All right. So how did you give her your strength? Let, let's stop there for a second. There is a, uh, I, I, I probably illustrate it a little better. I'm a martial arts uh, fourth degree black belt in, the, in Shotokan and Gojiru. Uh, I told my wife one day when we were teaching years ago that, uh, so I'm going to show you something different. We went down to school. And I took two people. One was a green belt, which would have been, I call him professional student. He just, he's never going to get anywhere. He just, he's, he's tough. I mean, he can be, if he hits you, he's going to hurt you. But, uh, and he's obviously better than most of the students that were there. And we had a brand new one who was a computer geek who barely could punch and even walk. I mean, he didn't know what, what to do at all in martial arts. So I took him aside and gave him, uh, some instructions mm -hmm. on a uh, on a hypnotic level and using a specialized technique and then I put the two together of course obviously the green belt was just going to destroy him without any problem whatsoever easily that young man the computer geek that didn't know how to do anything beat the green belt so bad that it, it, the, the green belt was actually depressed over it because I mean, you, how can he do that? He's, it's the first time the guy ever fought in his life in a martial arts class, and he beat this guy. And I said, "Well, the reason he beat you is because I installed my skills in him." But how do you do that? Well, that, I'm not going to give away the, the the show. the 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 point is that it's possible to do it. My wife is standing there; she's a third degree black belt, mm -hmm. and she just was her mouth hanging open. She's Oh, my gosh, what in the world are we training for? <laughs> gotcha. And I said, well, the, the point is that this is not permanent. This is, It's temporary. I said, but you can do this. Uh, this, this it's, it's, not, it's, it's, it's not without precedent uh, through history. But uh, the point is I did this for this lady, and she was able to hold this little guy, tore his entire eye cover off, mm -hmm. and held it. I wanted her to hold it so tight in her hand, nobody would get it out. And uh, that work would have worked fine if this had been the first event instead of the second one, because the doctor came over at that point, saw what was going on, and all of them got a hold of one of her fingers each and pulled it out of her, pulled her hand open until they get the eye cover out of his hand, their hand. Now, did she make? Did she? Did she go to see a doctor and file get a medical report? Because if somebody uses that much force on your hand, there'd be there'd be bruising and tissue damage. Well, she, she was she was definitely uh, had a strain in her hand, no question about but, that. But was it but was it documented by a medical doctor? <clears throat> no, that there was no injury to her. It, she was very. Uh, uh, let me give you an example. Sure. Um, sometimes we will place a, a, a person for a demonstration between two chairs, and you can literally stand on them under a, if you do the hypnosis uh, correctly, and they will not have an injury in their back or anything else. But if you don't give the suggestions properly, the person could get injured. I gave the suggestions very well to her. She definitely uh, felt the uh, strain in her hands because she said, I, I, I couldn't believe I could hold on that strong. It, it, it took one on each finger sure. to get my get that thing out of my hand. But, but without the proof of the, the event happening, Daryl, 
you know, uh, the, the no medical report to substantiate the claims. For people listening who may be listening for the very first time about alien abductions, this would seem very far-fetched. Okay, let's, uh, let's take it further. Sure. Uh, a number of people uh, told me that what you did was hypnotize that woman and make her believe all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, that's, that's fair. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a fair thought. Okay. But about uh, three years later, an incident happened in Varginha, Brazil, where uh, s- several uh, alien entities were captured by the police, by the military, and by a military police officer. He physically caught one, and he, he later died within six months of his uh, ca- of the capture. But the others didn't uh, suffer any injury because they, uh, those particular entities, because they used nets and things like this. But everybody said, reason, you hypnotize her to believe that she, that alien had a red this thing under his eye and all that. Mm-hmm. And there's two reasons I knew that uh, that that, that, one, that was not an accurate statement. First, when the, the Virginia aliens, anybody looked this up on the Internet, because the city of Virginia actually put a statue of the alien entity in the middle of this, uh, uh, literally a fountain with the entity sitting on it. And in that, the entity, the, the bright, the reddish colored, dark reddish color with three large bumps on their forehead, and uh, their claws are like four inches long, and this this is the part that stunned everyone. Every one of them had bright, red, stippled, screen eyes. Every one of them. But but Daryl, was three years after the event. But if somebody, if, if the police in Brazil captured an extraterrestrial, wouldn't that have made worldwide news? It did. In fact, I have in my possession because I had uh, had uh, first of all I went down to Brazil. And uh, looked at the case and myself. I've been there twice, uh, and so did John Mack and other people. It was all it was worldwide news. It really was. But the I wanted to look at it from an intelligence point of view. Uh, what could we prove intelligence-wise? And uh, the the three little girls that uh, three the little school kids that saw this entity that called the police, call her mama, and they call the fire police and all that. Uh, those little the family was approached by the government of Brazil and offered a home and a, a substantial living because the woman's not married. All right, Daryl, we're going to have to take our final break. Please stand by. When we come back, let's finish this story. And then I want to talk to you about alien implants. Exonation. Daryl Sims is our guest this hour. www.contactinthedesert.com forward slash Daryl Sims. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. Don't forget, uh, February the 14th, we start here in Hamilton on Cable 14. We're also going to be on Comcast, iLaunch, and, of course, Simul TV. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away.
Welcome back, everyone. Daryl Sims is my guest, www.contactinthedesert.com forward slash Daryl Sims. Uh, Daryl, we were talking about uh, an, an alien uh, event that happened in Brazil. Now, you actually went down there uh, and investigated the case, and you looked, went down there to investigate it or to use it as a way of gathering intelligence. Uh, so what, what were your findings? Well, one of the things I found that was stunning was several uh, people, I, I had a lot of friends down there mm -hmm. and investigators, and they were interested in this as well. And of course, they loved my background, former military police, private investigator, ex-CIA, and they, they started telling me all kinds of neat things. And mm -hmm. I said, okay, uh, said, uh, this, your Secretary of State, Warren Christopher, came here within days of that event. I said, why, what would he there for? They said they award the United States awarded Brazil part of the space program of building a, a, a floor in the platform for the space station, and they all looked at me kind of funny. These Brazilians said, "We don't have a space program." Mm -hmm. I said, you, "You do now." I said, "Where did the body go?" And they and all the bodies. And they said, "Why well, the CIA took it, of course." And I said, uh, how do you know that? As well, the government did. I said, after Warren Christopher came, obviously he brokered the deal and got the craft and the, and the bodies. And I said, uh, well, first of all, I, I need to see evidence that he was here and all this. And they said, they handed me a, a stack of papers an inch thick and said, mm -hmm. it's all done for you. It's here. So I have those with me, and they're, they're unfortunately in Portuguese. But the second thing is that... Uh, they described the troops that showed there the next day after the Virginia incident. The next morning, our troops, our guys landed, they said, but they weren't military. I said, "What? how were they dressed? And they described them. I said, tell me exactly what the material looked like on their, their greens. They said they had no insignia. I said, I understand that. Tell me exactly what that material looked like. And they told me, and I laughed and laughed and laughed. I said, uh... When I was in the, in the spy school, uh, as one of the instructors, a martial art instructor in the spy school for, in the CIA, those are the exact clothing that they wore for their ops for training. And that, so you can, you can never identify them. I said, that, that is, in fact, the CIA. And they, got, they got all their stuff. They got, they got everything. And Brazil got billions of dollars worth of work on their, their new space program, which wow. they don't have. They do now. And uh, that was, uh, was rather fascinating. One last thing I want to say about the red eye thing that, yeah. that, that clued me into something was wrong with this picture. Um, when I was at age four in, my, in that event, when I was a little boy, mm -hmm. the, the, I was not paralyzed, wasn't anything, wasn't scared, wasn't anything. I just couldn't understand why the skinny little guy didn't have any clothes on. It was wintertime. It's freezing. How could he? I just didn't, couldn't understand that. And at, the, at that point, his eyes began to move a little bit because there was enough light in the room from our little well house. There's a little light out there. I could see easily the entity because he's bright white. He was not gray at all. Right. <clears throat> and I was amazed. I could see something reddish, under, almost a, a glare, a little tiny red glare underneath the edge of his eyes because I was lying down and he was... He was, uh, when he first came in, when I first turned around, I set up, and I'm like, whoa. I could see something red under his eye. That meant, that's what made me think those were uh, eye covers or something. I just, I, I never did know for sure. And that's what gave me the idea about having a lady tear the eye cover off this guy. 
Gotcha. How did you get involved with alien implants? Um, that's uh, another uh, sad story. Um, at age 12, 1960, um, I heard a strange... Uh, 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 it's, it's like it's not like you wake up it's like you're switched on mm-hmm. and I heard my mother speaking which is uh, obviously not true because my mother and dad lived the other end of the house there's no way you could have heard that in the middle of the night I mean just I could hear her as if she was whispering in my ear and it says Daryl go outside There, there's a new star in the pin team I don't know what a pentine is. I've never heard of anything like that. But when she said it, I knew what it was. Mm-hmm. Well, this is obviously the aliens uh, mimicking your mother's voice to get you to go outside because you're fixing to get abducted. So I opened the back door, walked outside, and saw a brilliant light on the not far off the horizon. I'm in Almagorda, New Mexico, 1305 Ohio Street. Never will forget it. Age 12. And... It was, I hate using the illustration out of a movie, but it was like the movie Phenomenon when he saw a bright light and he's like, whoa, next thing he knows he's laying on the ground. Well, I, the light got bigger and bigger and he was getting so, coming toward me so fast, I thought it was going to hit the house. And next thing I know, I was woke up in a circular room with my leg, legs elevated 11 degrees and uh, the same cosmic skinhead that got me for the first time. There he is again. And there's somebody bigger than him, the doctor, I guess it was, uh, standing next to him. And then they, at, there was a very bright light above me. And that's one another reason that abductees are terrified of bright lights, especially dental, dental bright lights. And uh, I could hear them talking. And then the doctor at that point noticed it, and he shut me off. He, they just they can do that. What they don't know is that you can turn yourself back on. And you don't have to let them know it. And so I listened to them talking, and I was horrified at what they said they were going to do to me. And I, I, I started crying. I, I literally was crying on the craft because I couldn't understand why they would hurt a little guy like me. I mean, I'd never done anything bad to anybody. I don't know why, why are they doing this to me. Next thing I know, the doctor type brings over this... Uh, long about an eight eight to nine inch needle like device with a silver sphere on the end of it they inserted it in my nasal passage and jammed it as hard as they could and i say as hard as they could hard enough it broke the bones in my nose and there was no anesthesia whatsoever it, i screamed i mean pain was unbearable and they pulled it back out and had blood on the end of it but it didn't have the silver spear so uh, that was how i learned about alien implantation why, why wouldn't they just shut you off and do the implant instead of doing this while you were conscious? Well, first of all, they didn't know that I could still hear them. That's how I learned what they were doing. Okay. In fact, Dr. Bob Wood uh, was, uh, we, were doing the, we were doing the shoot for the Alien, uh, the movie, the TV series that I did with uh, three other people, mm-hmm. the Uncovering Aliens. He asked he said, I want to ask privately a question from you. I want to know how far the alien is above us. And I said, if I answered that doc, I said, I'd get laughed clean off the, uh, off the set here. And, uh, I, and I finally told him and he was horrified. 
and everybody started laughing. They said, there's just no way that's true. And the, except Dr. Bob Woodwood, he was the only person that wasn't laughing. Wow. I said, they're no more than 15 to 50 years ahead of us. Well, let me ask you this, Gerald. Is there an alien presence on this planet? And if so, where is their mothership, so, uh, for lack of better words? I think the, 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 the best uh, answer to that is there is an alien presence here. It, they obviously come here fairly often. Mm -hmm. uh, the problem one has to ask, and you have to ask this as an investigator, is where are all the ships? I mean, they should be seeing them all sure. the time. They are seen occasionally, but not like the fact that the people are having events. And I gave, we have a Native American Indian conference. We just, uh, I put on the conference myself with a, with my friend, uh, Deborah Burns. And it was, it was a sold out event. And we're going to do it again in four months, another one. And the point is, I did the Cherokee part of it, because I'm Cherokee, uh, Irish, Celtic myself. And the point of the Cherokee, they always believed that the UFOs traveled in under the water, in the riverways and so on. Mm -hmm. The fact is they used the waterways, the Great Lakes and oceans, and I think that's where 99% of them are at. So in your opinion, are, are, there, are there UFOs circling the planet right now? And, and if you had to guess on what they'd look like or how big they'd be, what would be your guess? I don't have to. I don't have to guess, and I okay. can say categorically this is true and then I can send you different places to go find the truth out yourself. Uh, a, a man named Norm Bergstrom wrote a wonderful book called uh, Ringmakers of Saturn and he is a NASA scientist and he gave impeccable evidence that they're right there in the Jovian and the Saturn system. Uh, they're right there in the rings of Saturn. You can see it. You can, you can, wow. if you've got a, a reasonable telescope, you can find them. But he, you can just Google it, Norberg's from Re Ringmakers of Saturn, and go look yourself. But, you'll, but, you'll but, there's, there. but, but there's nothing uh, orbiting Earth? Uh, well, there may be. I but see. The thing I, the thing I find most credible are mm -hmm. the sightings on the moon, uh, craft that are so huge, uh, one of them, we had eight people on that particular craft in a mass abduction right. in 1992, and that craft was 50 miles thick, 600 miles across. And it was on the moon? It was, it was near the moon. And wow. the reason we know that is because someone was filming the moon during the time of the mass abduction, unbeknownst to us. It was doing it in Japan. And we got a copy of the film. Hey, Daryl, I hate to do this, but we've run out of time for tonight. I want to thank you for joining us. Take care of yourself. Be safe. And ExoNation, if you'd like to find out more about Daryl Sims, go to, let me see, uh, where the heck did I put it now? I was so enthused in the interview. Uh, Contactinthedesert.com forward slash Daryl Sims. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios, not on the moon, but in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Everyone is howling about Paws of Fury. It's the most fun comedy of the summer. I am your father. What? No, I'm not. <laughs> Michael Sarah. It's showtime. And Samuel L. Jackson. What the mother father kind of spaniel's going on here? Paws of Fury. Only in theaters this Friday. Ready PG.
Everyone is howling about Paws of Fury. It's the most fun comedy of the summer. I am your father. What? No, I'm not. <laughs> Michael Sarah. It's showtime. And Samuel L. Jackson. What the mother father kind of spaniel's going on here? Paws of Fury. Only in theaters this Friday. Ready PG.